Okay, so we sat down last night and we were talking about salvation and we we're talking about how people come to the Lord and how people understand what salvation is. And it is fair to say that the more you grow in grace, the more of an understanding you have as to what uh, the process is. And yet it's also fair to say that no two people will come to the Lord the same way. It's always nice to think that most people come broken, that most people come uh, remorseful, that most people come very tearful, and yet the truth of the matter is, it's not always the case. Some people may come and have no emotion, and then later on down the line become very emotional once they have an experience. But there's an account from Luke chapter 5, which always comes to my mind, of one of the greatest apostles, quite possibly the oldest apostle, and if you listen to the Catholic Church, the Pope of Rome, which causes somewhat of a joke, but there is an account from Luke 5 of how I think perhaps Simon Peter came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The four Gospels do overlap, and sometimes when you read the four Gospels, their accounts do not differ, but they approach the ministry of the Lord from different angles. So it can be somewhat difficult to harmonize the four. In fact, one of my projects, which I was hoping would have taken place this week, was to look at the four Gospels concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and try and harmonize them. Because I've been saved 15 years, and to this day, I'm still unable to harmonize. Because four people writing about one man, one ministry, are going to approach it from different angles. That, of course, shows the diversity of the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, look if you will at verse 1 please. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and washing their nets. So the Lord Jesus Christ, as always, is on the move and he is looking to find men to follow him, to go to the end of the earth for him. And of course they all would do just that. And here he sees two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Most of the apostles would know each other. Most of the apostles would have gone to the same school with each other. Most of the apostles' children would have known each other. So the Lord would do what David would do. He would choose people that knew each other. We call that networking today. Three. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and took the people out of the ship. So he boards Simon's ship. And Simon, of course, was a professional fisherman. Perhaps a lower, middle-class, self-employed fisherman. Which, along with uh, building uh, contractors, engineers, uh, car mechanics, are probably the hardest to reach for the Lord. Very crude. But here the Lord boards Simon's ship and prays him to thrust it out a little from the land. Put the ship out to sea, Simon. And he sat down, latter part of verse 3, and taught the people out of the ship. And I would have thought to myself this, had I been present when this took place, who does this man think he is? He's not a fisherman. We know the fishermen. We work with these people. Like I say, we went to the same school as such people. Children would have played with one another. We all knew each other. And this man appears from nowhere, boards a ship, and starts to teach the people out of the ship, showing again that Jesus is very much a hands-on man. Four. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon said to himself, but listen, we've been out all night. We know this sea back to front. This is our trade. It's like someone coming up to you in the streets and saying to you, you got it all wrong. 
you need to get this banner, you need to get these tracks, or you need to do this well that way. And you feel like saying to such people, what do you know about this? You've got no experience of doing this. We don't come and tell you how to run your affairs. Don't tell us how to run ours. Five. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the nights and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That took not only faith on the part of Simon Peter, but it also took courage to say such a thing in the presence of his peers because Simon Peter was quite possibly, if not a senior partner, the main partner, the main uh, boss of this shipping firm, this uh, group of fishermen. And yet, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Picturing complete faith in the master, picturing humility, like I say, also picturing a man's salvation. Six, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Maybe in the first time this had ever happened, like I say, Simon, Peter and Andrew, James and John were in partnership with each other. They knew the Sea of Galilee back to front. They would have known where all of the great spots were. And here, at the word of the Lord, latter part of five, they let the net down and the net has broken due to a great enclosure of many fish, spiritually in reference to salvation, which is what we are here in Cambridge for, to win souls to get the banner up, to give out tracts. We want to get people born again. We do believe that our presence in Cambridge will have eternal consequences for the better. In fact, just yesterday we went to uh, a small town, Ely, and uh, an elderly gentleman came over to us, around 90, a Baptist, he told us, and we asked him if anybody else works this town, and surprise, surprise, the answer was no. There are many towns, many cities in the UK, that have religious people, perhaps say people, and yet they don't go out in the streets. I don't know why, because I would imagine if you are in a church system, you want people to join it, you want people to start tithing to it. But the response has come back time after time over the last several days that no one does what we do. Hence what I said yesterday concerning hostility, very much found on the streets of Cambridge, which is what we experienced in Canterbury many years ago, and Hastings the year before last. Seven, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. These guys were pretty well off. I wouldn't like to say they were super wealthy, but they weren't poor. And what the Lord is going to expect from them is an abandonment. I pick up your cross every day and follow me. Those that live by the sword will die by the sword. But here you've got many things going on. You've got Jesus speaking to people in a language that they could understand. And yet, as of this morning, as I watched the uh, election results coming in, the political party that has been running this country for the last few years has lost because the leader of that party was unable to speak to people, was unable to relate to people, was unable to understand what people go through. She was too aloof. And here the Lord, far from being aloof, is able to get up close and personal. He's able to reach people in their own environment, which is quite remarkable. I mean, it was said that John Wesley was able to do this. John Wesley was able to come alongside people and speak to people and just have a good rapport with people. And people could see that Wesley was genuine. People could see that Wesley was able to understand what they went through on a regular basis. Hence why he got so many people saved. 
And it says elsewhere in scripture, the people, the common people heard Jesus gladly. And they beckoned unto their partners, seven again, which were in the other ship. You've got at least two ships here. That they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Pray for the Lord of the harvest, that he will send more laborers into the field, go into the highways and the byways, and get them into my father's house. There's so much work to be done. And yet, looking at the results overnight, apathy, although turnout was higher than expected, but most people didn't vote the way that people thought they would vote. Most Christians, most churches go through the motions because that's what the pastor is paid to do. There's no zeal, there's no compassion, there's no passion, there's no drive to go beyond the four walls and going back to the prime minister being unable incapable of leaving her four walls and speaking to real people which is what jesus would do which is what the apostles would do which is what we are doing eight and simon peter saw it and fell down at jesus knees saying depart from me for i'm a sinful man O lord we've lost that we've lost that sense of conviction depart from me for i am a sinful man O lord most people, most religious people, most saved people, especially those that we've met over the last few days, are just going through the motions. They don't read the Bibles, they're not praying, they have no compassion. And we've given out several tracts to such religious people, and it's like pulling teeth. It's really difficult. Do you read your Bible? Well, not every day. Is it important? Some guy came over to me yesterday in Ely. He's a Catholic, goes to a Church of England. A place of worship, quote unquote, and he said to me that he believes there have been many Jesus Christs, that they've all come with the same kind of message that if we just follow the principles of Jesus, you know, we're all good to go. So typical of today's generation, going back to philosophers, uh, theologians, people trying to corrupt the Word of God and abandon the overall theme of the Scripture, which is repentance. It's to be sorry for who you are and what you are. Eight again. When Simon Peter saw it, the miracles, he fell down at Jesus' knees. He got down on his knees. A picture of submission. Saying, depart from me. And yet, he didn't really mean it. But he did mean it. Due to sinful nature. For I am, in the present tense, a sinful man, O Lord. A man after my own heart. I can completely relate to what Simon Peter is saying here. But he goes back to salvation. He goes back to how... How do people get saved? It goes back to what happens once you get saved. It goes back to people not wanting to believe in the old nature of the believer. It goes back to the Calvinists. It goes back to the Lordship Salvation crew. That when a person gets saved, they are forever changed. And they don't sin. And if they sin, they're not saved. We talk about problematic. i got a reference Bible. I shan't name the author. And I've got one statement where he says there is no such thing as the old nature in the believer. And on another occasion, he says that saved people can sin, that saved people can practice sin. That's a contradiction. You've got a theologian who's too bright for his own good. He makes one statement, which is very much accepted by people such as himself. He's a five-point Calvinist, incidentally. And yet he turns around and says something completely different because he's trying to appeal to a wider community. If he just sticks to the Calvinist camp, he won't be able to reach out to non-Calvinists. This is a business. These people are selling books. These people are producing DVDs. They're not doing this for nothing. And that's why they not always uh, are aware of, they will contradict themselves. They will make statements, not realize that they've contradict themselves. But Simon Peter, around the same age as the Lord, around the same age as Paul, 
Nose is no good, in and out, like Abraham, like Isaiah, a man of unclean lips. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Now, of course, he didn't really mean that, because had he really meant that, he couldn't have been saved. But he's awestruck. He's been uh, working the seas all of his life. He knows the rivers all around Israel, back to front. Perhaps his father was in the same trade as he was. Maybe his son was going to follow in his steps. And this guy arrives out of nowhere, the traveling carpenter, the Messiah of Israel, and it turns his business on its head. Produces too many fish, more than they need, six, the net breaks, seven, the call goes out for help, which is a picture of reaching out to other people to come and work in the mission field. We need people to work alongside us. It's not acceptable to say that we're born again or unborn again and walk away without taking tracks from us to pass on to other people. We don't keep this to ourselves. And yet most people do keep it to themselves. Nine, for he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You're going to be a soul winner, Simon. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. The scripture says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. When people criticize us for what we do, when people say, what gives you the right to say this? I always like to say, what gives you the right to question me? You have the right to question me. I have the right to question you. You have the right to challenge me. I have the right to confront you. This is England. This isn't North Korea. I can get in your face. You can get in my face. We're not violent people. We're not trying to cause a punch up, but we are trying to reach out to people. Nine, for he was astonished, of course, and all that were with him. Such a miracle was done in public. Such a miracle was done in the presence of many people. Unlike Muhammad, who never did a miracle a day in his life, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken, right under the noses of professional, lower, middle-class, self-employed fishermen. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. At least four people have seen this, which were present with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, and vicariously those present, and those of us around the table today, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. From this day forth you'll be soul winners. From this day forth, never mind catching literal fish, I want you to go into the world and catch men and women. Get them saved, get them born again, which is what we are doing in Cambridge, like I say. We're not here for a holiday. We're not here to take in the scenery. We're not here to get a suntan. We're not here to relax. This is a work uh, trip. This is an outreach. This takes time. This takes planning. This takes money. These things don't just happen by chance. It takes a lot of work. And like I say, I do believe that our presence in Cambridge from start to end, 10 days, will have eternal consequences. And I think we are probably on target to give out around 10,000 tracks. The banner, in fact, we've got two banners, I will uh, guess will be seen by at least 10,000 people. If you add up the uh, the places we've gone to, the amount of time that we've been standing on street corners. On top of that, the letterboxing that has been taking place. Mornings and evenings, conversations, people seeing us, people seeing us on buses and cars. I mean, the sky's the limit. But like all things, you have to put yourself out. Eleven. When they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, of course, what else could you do? This man has arrived out of nowhere. He has shown professional fishermen how to catch fish. He's done it in a way that they could never have done it. He has completely 
redefine fishing. Of course, he's done something physically to demonstrate a spiritual undercurrent, going back to being able to connect with people, being able to speak to people, being able to understand people, which is lost today, going back to the election, going back to the prime minister, going back to churches in general. Most churches don't know what it's like to live on a minimum wage or on a very low wage or to have no money. Most churches are only into themselves. Most people that go to churches are more than happy just to go to church once a week, twice a week, three times a week, and that's it. The rest of the week is their own. But here, 11, and when they bought their ships, not just one ship, but their ships to land, big fishing ships, they forsook all and followed him. Yes, but don't forget the account from John 21. You've got at least six apostles going back to fish in that sort of crossover period as to what do we do, where do we go, the Messiah's come and gone, what is our future now going to be? Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, the Spirit of God comes upon them, they speak in tongues, and away they go. And I would suggest that once that took place, they never looked back. There was no more days out on the Lake of Galilee. There was no more let's go fishing. There was no more let's do what we do. They were now full-time evangelists, which if you look at 1 Corinthians 9, would have allowed them to have been full-time uh, preachers, uh, prayer warriors, intercessors, interceding for people, and also studying the scriptures. They needed to grow in grace. It wasn't something which just came automatically the moment they got saved. They too would have to dig into scripture. They too would have to search the scriptures. They too would have to discipline themselves and make time for the Lord. So these 11 verses from Luke chapter 5 give a very general um, account of a great miracle with lots of truths behind such. And it shows on the one hand that the Lord could intervene into someone's employment, someone's way of life, show them how to do it, would allow such a miracle to be seen by many. But the overall theme, the overall interpretation from these 11 verses would be to trust the, the uh, Messiah, trust the Savior to get you saved, to provide for you. And once you've done that, to forsake everything and follow him. And going back to salvation, being in a person, not a place. So it's a very short message today. I won't spend any more time looking at these verses. I think you get the gist of what is found in this chapter from the Gospel of Luke. Service, surrender, and submission. And that's what they did. They followed the Lord. They would all die for the Lord. John, of course, the son of Zebedee, would take Mary, the mother of the Lord, to live with him. And I would suggest she took her children along with her her young children to live with John. I would suggest that Joseph was dead around the time of the death of the Lord Jesus, hence why Jesus, as the oldest as the eldest child, passes Mary to John, who was also a cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ. His brother, being James, the son of Zebedee, was martyred, Acts chapter 12, but John would live on to a good old age, and of course John would go on to write the book of Revelation. And I say that because these men were eyewitnesses to the Lord. They didn't just sit down one day over a cup of coffee and decide to write the Bible. The Bible was written by many men living on different continents over many different years. And if anybody has an open mind, if anybody wants to take the time to read the scripture, they will get a great blessing. But like everything, if you approach this book in uh, an insincere manner, if you approach this book with a preconceived notion or two, and most people do, it's a closed book to you. But if you get in your knees like Simon did, if you... 
except you are a sinful man or a sinful woman like Simon did. And if you turn to the Lord in uh, faith and repentance, he will save you. And that's all there is to it. There's no works involved. You come, you are convicted, you turn to the Lord in faith and he saves you. That, in a nutshell, is what repentance is. That's what conviction is. You are convicted, you then repent, which means change your mind, change your uh, philosophy, if you will, change your thought life, if you will, about who you are and who God is. And then more importantly, put your faith in what Christ has done for you. Trust in him. And if you do so, you are saved and forever kept saved.